Alright you guys, welcome back to another episode of Little Man Big Conversations. I'm of course the Little Man, aka Flashman, aka James, welcoming you back to another episode. Man, the feedback from last week has been absolutely amazing. You guys are absolutely getting a kick out of the good friend, bad friend reunion between Ricky Brambrandt and I. Well, you gotta wait no more, because we're gonna get right into part two, starting now. So you've joined up to UPW now, and you're there for a certain amount of time. You're still there to this day, but it's during that time that you rejoined that we got to reconnect and do that second match down at Venom. But shortly after you did that match with me, maybe a month, maybe a couple of weeks, I'm about to find out from you firsthand, but it was shortly after that match that your life changed immensely. So take me through what happened. So we've, we've done that match, and how long was it afterwards that, hey, your life seemingly got flipped upside down at this stage? You are right. Um, things took a very dramatic turn in my personal life, which obviously affected my wrestling life as well. Wow. Okay, so it was May 2017 that we had our match at BPW at Ascension 2. Yep. Um, which, by the way, just on a side note, in that match, I, uh, the finish was the flashbang, right, which is essentially a cutter or an RKO of sorts. Yeah. Um, the way I sold that is one of my favorite moves that I've ever <laughs> taken. Yeah, I remember people were watching it and they're saying, oh, that's a bit of a stuff up. Hey, yeah. And it's like, no, it wasn't. It's just because yeah. we're pros. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's a, uh, I digress. Um, yeah. So May 2017, we had our match for VPW, and it wasn't until a full year later that I got diagnosed with testicular cancer. Right. Okay. So one full year, like to the month. So May 2017, then I went and did some other stuff, blah, blah, blah. We had another match in July, me, you, and Tim Cade had the yep. triple threat. Yep. That was the last time that we ever we ever hooked up. Um, then I did a whole bunch of stuff for UPW and a couple other promotions. Um, I remember when I got back into wrestling, when UPW started, I, I kind of went all out and went, I'll wrestle anywhere. And I, I did AWA. I did a good run there. Um, I did some of the minor promotions and stuff like that, but mm -hmm. yeah, May, 2018, um, I wrestled in an event called fight for life for UPW. I was the UPW champion at the time. I was wrestling a guy named Matthew Gabriel, who mm -hmm. was our big bad heel, yeah. and I was defending the title. Uh, it was ironically enough, and this is the interesting thing about this story, just, just how things, how life goes. Um, it was the first event that we had done for that promotion that was a charity event. And it was um, wrestling for cancer research. So any proceeds that we had was going to go for cancer research, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what no one else really knew going into this, because I, I didn't, I only told two people prior to this match that I was awaiting results mm -hmm. <laughs> because yep. one of my testicles had grown to a golf ball size. And I was like, yeah. that ain't normal. Um, yeah. So, and this all happened in the space of maybe a week and a week and a half. So, I went, oh, okay, um, that's weird. So I went and got some tests done and I was awaiting results. So I think I got the test done on the Friday. We did the show on the Saturday. Um, I told my opponent and, and I told the promoter, um, this is what's going on. If for some reason something goes wrong out there and I'm in a lot of pain, this is why. 
Um, thankfully, everything went perfectly and that never became a factor in the match. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it's just ironic and it's interesting that the first cancer research show that we did, I was awaiting results of my own sort of cancer mm-hmm. testing and um, on the Monday following, so Friday got tested, Saturday had the show, Monday got the results saying that I had a tumour. So um, right. effective immediately, um, I was done. I had yeah. to tell them I'm not wrestling anymore. I have another battle to fight now. Uh, at that time, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know if I was going to need treatment or surgery or whatever. I was literally left for about a week and a half with no information. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So I just immediately told them I can't come back until I know what's going on. Um, I, I dropped the title that night as well. So, yep. and that was always, you know, not to ruin wrestling for anyone, but that was always part of the plan. And it, it wasn't because I was sick. It was just how it worked out. And, um, yeah, so from then on I got the diagnosis and I was done again for I didn't know how long. It's quite bizarre to look back at now in hindsight and go, man, here I am raising money for research and, yeah, 48 hours later, damn, I hope I raised some good money because now I'm I'm one of those guys we're raising money for. What was the – what was that process like? What was that 24 hours after that Monday? What was that like for you? Was Because I remember when my mom and dad found out about my diagnosis, it was just like, it was pretty much like a, we don't have time to react. It was like, a, all right, what do we do? Where do we go? So, but what was it like for you being, being in that situation? See, it's interesting um, that we've both been through it, right? But we've both been through it at opposite ends of our life spans, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had yours, your treatment and everything when you were very young and you said that you don't really remember a lot of it. You, you know about stuff through articles and through other people's experiences and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I got diagnosed when I was 30. Yeah. So as, yeah, it was just so strange, man. Like it was just my mindset through the whole thing from mm-hmm. day one was I don't know anything about this. So I'm yep. putting all of my faith, all of my trust in the medical system and in these medical professionals who do know about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take their advice. You know, I'm going to, if I need to, I'll get a second opinion, whatever. Um, but I'm always going to take their advice because they're the ones that know what they're talking about. So to me, there wasn't a lot of choice. There wasn't a lot of debate about what I should do and what I shouldn't do or whatever. It was just, this is what I've got to do to get through this. Mm Um, so believe me, man, the plot thickens and I'll get into that in a second. But basically when I found out, I was like, Oh, okay. Um, I don't like, I I didn't want to do the Dr. Google thing and I didn't want to go through and research it on my own in case I get the wrong information or the wrong figures, the wrong statistics. And I put undue stress on myself, you know, cause they say stress causes cancer, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I also like, I had to look up certain things like, okay, this is testicular cancer. This is what I know. Um, what is the survival rate and things like that? So I looked up that and I found that it is a highly treatable form of cancer and the success rate of people surviving it is relatively high compared to other cancers. So I sort of, I was all, I was pretty positive from the start. Um, But obviously your whole life changes, you know, like you, you stop doing the things you love. Um, 
then you start dealing with hospitals and, you know, um, the Adam Crosby center and, you know, things like that. Uh, so when I, when I got diagnosed, they, you know, did the ultrasound, they sent it away. Yep. Definitely a tumor. Okay. Now you have to come into the hospital and talk to us. And I was like, all right, there was that week and a half period where I had no contact with people before my appointment. I no idea. So I was staying up in the middle of the night. Should I write a will or, you know, what steps do I take in case I don't come out of this? And I, there was a, a very sleepless period of time there where I just had no idea. It was just whatever popped into my head. That's, that was where I was at. And it wasn't until I started doing my appointments and, and getting to do that kind of stuff where I started to get a gauge on, all right, this is beatable. And, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. Things are definitely going to change, but there is you know, there's life after this, assuming I get through this kind of thing. And um, my mindset from the start, I think I didn't allow myself to think that I wasn't going to make it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like, if I don't let myself think that way, then there's no way that I'm I'm going to succumb to this. You know, regardless of what's thrown my way, be positive, do the best you can, take the advice, do what you're told whatever you can to get through it. And then, you know, however long down the track, you'll look back on it and go, I can't believe I went through that. Um, so it was, it was mindset. Mindset is key, man. And like you 100%. probably, you don't have that same experience because you were so young yeah. where it wasn't about your willpower to get through it. it you know, and, and a kid's mind is different that mm. you were just doing your thing and you were just doing what you were asked to do and just getting on with your life and, and you got through it. You know, your story is miraculous compared to mine. Um, I, I consider myself very lucky to have gotten the type of, sounds weird. I'm lucky I got cancer, but I'm, I'm lucky <laughs> yeah. I got that, that type of cancer, you know what I mean? Cause it is mm-hmm. so treatable and um, there is such a high success rate in dealing with it. So if you're going to get cancer, <laughs> yeah. go for testicular cancer. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, I'd like to say long story short, but you can't tell this story in a short way. So hopefully we don't bore people. But um, the first step for me, and it always is with testicular cancer, is surgery. So regardless of how far along it is, if you picked it up early or late or whatever, they're going to just give you the cut straight away to remove the offending article. Um, that's just a standard procedure. So went in for surgery and I had my testicle removed and, um, you know, a lot of people will make jokes about it and I'll be the first one to do it. And I always have a good laugh. It's all good. I have a ball with it, but, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> no pun just, intended. <laughs> it's just the, the mindset, you know, I, I honestly think that's what got me through and yeah. people kept saying to me even now, like, um, through it. And even now they're going, how did you stay so positive? And how can you make jokes like that? And, rah, rah, rah. and I said, well, if you don't laugh, you cry. I'm not going to sit there and be depressed about it. Cause it, in the end of the day, if I've only got six months left or a year left or whatever, why would I want to be sad? You know, like it was just this strange positivity that I didn't know that I had in myself, but it just came through, you know, um, and talking about the plot thickening. Now this is, this is the other thing I had, some very good motivation to get through it. I had a very bright light at the end of my tunnel. Um, so here's the timeline for you. I got tested on the Friday. I had yep. a wrestling show, dropped the title on the Saturday. I got yep. my results on the Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, I said to my girlfriend, I've got a tumor. And like, you know, she lost it. Um, mm-hmm. 
mm. pretty sad days. But then <laughs> a week later, she goes, so we're going to have a baby. What? <laughs> yeah. So um, I was like, all right, holy crap. So all of a sudden these two major life-changing events happen yeah. at once. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're dealing with a very yin and yang situation. You've got your your good and your bad, your black and your white. You are faced with a dilemma. Oh, man, you are faced with oh, I've got this tumor down south. Oh, by the way, uh, you're going to be a dad. So yeah. take me through that mindset of man, what what is happening here? Like you've got you literally have a mix of you have the mix of pretty much of, of the light and the dark side. Yeah, I've got this terrible thing, but man, do I have this good thing waiting at home? What is that yeah. mindset like? Was that an overwhelming thing to the point of pretty much making you numb? Like, could you appreciate it as much as you wanted to at that point? Uh, oh, it's hard to put into perspective. Um, I think I went through a, a range of, obviously, a, a lot of different emotions at the time. Um, but it was also like, I've got one of the worst things that can happen to you and one of the best things that can happen to you all happening at once. So at that point, I'm pretty sure it was just throw your hands in the air and go, you know what, whatever the universe is going to throw at you, you just got to roll with it. Cause it's yeah. out of, it's out of my control. The whole thing's out of control. <laughs> I was just like, well, I didn't expect any of this to happen. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, yeah all right, well that's that's a thing um so she told me that um I, honestly i could be getting the weeks mixed around i don't know whether i found out about the baby or the cancer first it was one or the other but it all happened very close together so i'm i lob it all in together you know what i mean um but it was just like wow okay now i've got to beat this thing because i don't want my child to grow up without a father so there was this determination there from the start and it was, I think that's a, a, a played a, a huge part into why my mindset stayed, you know, um, there's no way I can lose this battle. There's no way. Um, so yeah, I had that happening. I, I can't, I wouldn't say I went numb cause like there was no time for that. I had, I had to do things and I had to make sure that I took the right steps to, to make this outcome what I wanted. And, um, the right steps were obviously following the doctor's advice and, um, just seeing what each day brought. And that's the way I looked at it. I can only get through one day at a time at that point. So knowing that I had Bub coming at the end of this yeah. was my, the ultimate motivation to stay positive and to look forward to getting through it. So I went to the appointments and everything. I had the surgery. That was a six-week recovery time, um, and that was the easy part. Because they said, hey, look, if we got it early enough, which we think you have, the surgery will be fine. You won't need to worry about anything else. Then you have the surgery, you go through the recovery, wait a little bit longer, and then go get tested again to check your tumor markers and all that kind of stuff. And they come back to you and they say, you're going to need to have chemotherapy. And it's like, oh, oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Um, so the surgery didn't get it. And then it had jumped to my abdomen and I had a, a little speck on my lung as well, which they were worried if we left it too long, it would grow exponentially. And then that would be, you know, lung cancer. It's not, 
not a good thing. So um, they went, right, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you on this, this cycle of chemo. Um, it's nine weeks. Now, I know you went into detail about your cycle as well. Um, you, you went every day, didn't you? Did you say? Three times a day, every day for about three to four weeks. Yeah, and that was two. Yep. Three times a day. Yeah, see, yep. that's heavy, man. That That's that's an intense cycle. It's no, It doesn't go for very long, but mm. it is intense. Yeah. Um, so my cycle, um, to to give you a bit of a an idea, was nine weeks long. Um, okay. But it was every, every day for the first week. Mm-hmm. And then only on the Monday for the second and third week, right? Yep. So each cycle was three weeks long, mm-hmm. um, but it was only a full week for the first one and one day for the, the following two weeks. The yep. reason for that is the intensity of the chemo on the first week, which is about four hours um, each day, and then two weeks for your body to recover for the next cycle. Mm-hmm. So. I did that and um, I don't like, I remember it all. Here's the thing. And this is funny. I remember it all, but I don't remember it. So in my everyday life, I don't think about that period of time, but if someone reminds me of something or if I get my memory jogged, I remember very vividly what happened, but because I just don't think about it, it's like I've forgotten. But um, I remember I did my first chemo session on a Monday Tuesday, Wednesday was my really bad day. So one of the chemotherapy drugs that they gave me did not react well. It took three days to build up and then I had a very bad reaction. So I ended up going into the bathroom and I was very sick and like my eyes went blood red and this pressure in my head and it was just really bad. And I came out of the bathroom and they're like, oh, are you upset? And I'm like, no, Ugh. something is wrong. <laughs> something yeah. is very wrong. Um, and honestly, my like, it's hurt yeah, yeah. I have cancer. <laughs> of course, I'm not okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, they they adjusted something. They they replaced one of the drugs with another one, and from then on, I had no complications of that nature. So I had one one really bad day. This, this is what I tell people. I'm sure I had many bad days, but. Um, that was the worst of it. And then from then on, it was just get in the car, go to your treatment, come back, sleep. You know, it was just this period of time that was, yeah, it was. And I was very lucky to have my partner at the time who, by the way, is getting more and more pregnant every day. So (laughs) she's going through this with me, you know, like, cause, and I say it, she had cancer at the same time I did because she was going through it with me. She was with me at every single treatment. She didn't just drop me off. She didn't let someone else take me. She was with me every step of the way. And um, at the same time, going through her own physical changes and dealing with the fact that she's pregnant and, like, that's intense. So, yeah, Um, we learned a lot about each other and she looked after me better than I can ever hope. Mm -hmm. And I just, honestly, I, I just got in the car. I went to my treatment. I came home. I went to sleep. I ate when I could, which wasn't very often. Yeah. Um, I drank water when I could, which wasn't as often as I should. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just I was very sick, and I just don't remember a lot of it. There's a lot of triggers, like I can't smell Glen Twenty anymore without just hating it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everything yeah, had to be yeah. clean, and and just that smell just brings it all back. And yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of sleeping and a lot of 
just trying to get through it and being nauseous the entire time. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember like physically being sick, like throwing up a lot, but I was, I felt like it the whole time. And, um, that just made it very difficult to eat and, and, you know, do anything. Mm. So it was, it wasn't a good time. And that, that went for nine weeks, just the cycle itself. And obviously I wasn't right for a long time after that physically with the nausea and things like that. Um, so timeline wise, May, end of May, I was diagnosed, had the surgery, went through the, the treatment, everything. And then it was November. Yeah, I think it works out. It was around about November sometime that all my treatments had stopped and everything. And then it was just waiting for a certain amount of time before they could test me again to see if we got it, you know. Mm. Um, so December 15th of 2018, I was officially put into remission. So that's when they went, yep, we got it. We're good. Awesome. Awesome. And there was nothing left. So usually they go, look, there's always a little bit of remnant there that we keep an eye on, but I had nothing. There's the speck on my lung was gone. The trouble area in my abdomen was gone. They were pretty amazed at how well I had come out of it. Mm. So I was very lucky, very lucky. Now, it's it's interesting listening to your side of going through a cancer treatment. Um, there is a lot of similarities there, but I'm particular in picking up what you said about you just don't think about it. You don't think about it anymore, and during that whole process, you went through it like it was an autopilot thing. You had to get it done. You had to do the job because you knew at the end of the light, hey, man, I've got this kid waiting. Hey, man, I've got this lady in my life that's going to be in my life for a long, long time now, these people are waiting at home and I've got to do a duty now, not only as a partner, but now as a future father, that I got to get through this. But I appreciate you being so honest, man. And it's a very good incentive and it's a similar mindset that I have when uh, approaching everyday life now that, yeah, you don't normally remember that period. I mean, hell, I don't remember going through it uh, on the ground scheme of things. I don't remember going through it at all. And that's a blessing for my side of the story. But it's interesting that even though you, you went through it uh, at such an at such a different 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 at such a different age comparatively to mine, you're still under that same mantra of man. I don't really think about it anymore. I don't really reflect on that time. I got through it. I did what I needed to do. I ticked the boxes. I had the surgery. I did the treatment, and you're just moving on with your life. It's more like a yeah, man. I did what I need to do to get healthy. So I applaud that aspect, man, because that's the kind of drive and the kind of motivation. And I guess the downright handling of the situation that just sometimes just needs to be done. It's, it's not a case of, Oh, I have it anymore. And it's still going to come back, man. As soon as you got that green light, you must've felt like a million dollars. That must've been the best Christmas present ever in December to be told, Hey man, we got it. It was pretty awesome. Uh, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll put it into a bit more perspective for you. And I said that I consider myself lucky that I got that particular type of cancer and that it was so treatable. Um, when I was in there, I was surrounded by a lot of other people going through a similar thing, their own yeah. cancer battles. Um, a lot of older people who struggle a lot more than someone who is young and healthy like, like me. Um, so I did consider myself very lucky there. There was people in there that were there every day for eight hours a day. And like, you know, I was talking to one guy and he's like, yeah, they've cut on me that many times that I only have half my organs, you know, things like that. Wow. And I was wow. like, well, 
you know, I only lost a nut. <laughs> so I look at it and I'm like, wow, I'm so lucky. But um, yeah, like the, the mindset of just, I don't think about it anymore and things like that. It, it's not because I'm dismissive of my ordeal or, you know, what we went through as a couple or anything like that. It's, um, it was a necessity, honestly, because another timeline sort of perspective here, I got remission mid-December. My daughter was born mid-January. So I had about four weeks time before life changed again, you know. So my partner had looked after me that whole time until she was eight months pregnant, roughly. And when I got cleared and I was good and I was starting to feel good again, then it was my turn to look after her because she needed it and she needed it long before she got it. So to me, not thinking about it and not looking back on it a lot, it comes down to not even really having the time to do so, which is a blessing really. So I honestly, I had to, I had to get out there and get my old job back. I had to get to work because she wasn't going to be able to provide an income. Um, which we hadn't done for a long time anyway because of the cancer thing. But, you know, I had to get some money coming in. So I was like, all right, well, there's no time to really celebrate even, that, you know, like we celebrated, but there was no time to really revel in it. It was like time to get to work because now you've yeah. got more responsibility. You know? mm-hmm. So it's a blessing in disguise that I had that as well. And that's why, you know, my daughter Scarlett is and still is and always will be my light at the end of the tunnel because in so many different ways she was pushing me and giving me motivation just to keep at it, yeah. you know? And, um, when I went back and I did, I think I've got to do it every four months to start with. Now I'm doing every six months checkups, but the first one, um, I said, can I go back to wrestling? And he's like, uh, I don't know. And I was like, yeah. um, I really want to. And, um, he goes, if you go back, just take it real easy, you know, ease yourself into it. It's going to take a long time before you start feeling right again. He said it could take up to 18 months before people start feeling like themselves again. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, cool. The very next day I went back to training and I did everything <laughs> that I could. Yeah. So I was like, screw that. I've just been sitting on the couch for God knows how many months. Mm-hmm. So um, I went back to work. I went back to wrestling and um, I had bub on the way. So there was a lot of things going on. There's no time to sit back and reflect on that shitty part of my life that I just went through, you know, and I've carried that on. So mm. what's, what that's been, been like a year and a half. I've been in remission now. Yeah. And um, I don't look back, man. Like I know that I went through it. Everybody knows that I went through it. Um, but you'd never know to look at me, you know, like I, I don't look like a, at the time I definitely looked like a cancer patient. I lost all my hair and all that. But now like no one would ever know that I went through that. And when I tell people, they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, it, it happened. <laughs> it, mm. it, it was a thing. And yeah, you just, I just had to get on with it. And so I did. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a strange, it's a strange, strange old world we live in, you know, like, and, and the thing I think that I took away from it, the most in terms of sort of mindset going forward is you honestly don't know what's going to happen. Look at this coronavirus stuff. Yeah. No one knew that it was going to explode the way it has, right? It's changed everybody's lives for, for in many different ways. That's just one example. You don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. I had no idea that one day I was going to wake up and, I was going to be swollen and from then on my life was going to change, Mm. you know, 
Um, then all of a sudden I'm a father and rah, 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 like you just, you don't know what's going to happen. So when people, you know, ask me, you, you know, what, what's your advice in life? It's like, just enjoy it and appreciate everything that you can because even the bad stuff define who we are, you know, and everything is temporary. Nothing stays the same forever. And any, any day, any moment, you could get a phone call or something could happen or anything could happen that just changes the trajectory of your life. And any plans that you had made up to that point might not mean a damn thing. So you've just got to, you've got to adapt, you've got to roll with it and you've just got to appreciate the moment that you're in because at any second that could either be over or different. You know what I mean? Mm, totally. I totally so know what you mean, man. It changes. Yeah. It changes, yeah. yeah. And you know, a lot of a lot of people, I think, and this is the doctor said this. Um, one of my, I think it was my second or third checkup. They said, "So what are you doing?" And I said, "Well, I've been working in wrestling since I was given the OK." And they said, "What?" I said, "Yeah, I didn't really have a choice. Like, I, I had to get in and do it." Um, and they're like, "Wow, like some people suffer severe PTSD from it, or you know, they they have anxiety issues or confidence issues, and they don't." go back to work for a long time or they don't go back to things they were doing before for a long time or you know they're not confident to try anything new or whatever and I said well I didn't even know I had a choice so I was like you mean I could have stayed unemployed for ages <laughs> and it was just to me like there was no choice and and I think that was a really good thing because it just I got back into life the moment that I was given the green light and because of that you know I haven't got those well, not not that it's manifested or anything, but I haven't got the PTSD where I yeah. I don't have confidence issues and I don't have anxiety issues when it comes to doing what I need to do in everyday life. So, yeah, I can look back on it and I can say that it's changed me for the better in a lot yeah. of ways, you know what I mean, yeah. um, which I think surprises a lot of people because, you know, hey, cancer, and I was like, yeah, it was good for me. I'm like, what? <laughs> like at the time mm. it was it really wasn't but now you know like you learn to appreciate stuff and that's so easy to forget yeah man it it, it really is and sometimes um as much as it sounds like i'm promoting the fact I, i'm really not because i wouldn't wish what you and i went through upon anyone but sometimes it takes drastic medical things like that to make you really reassess and restructure and basically uh, reprogram your life and you come out of it having a much better understanding of what truly is important than you did heading in because at that time there was a lot of things probably and I'll, and I'll probably shoot the shit here probably when you went in before being told hey man you know you're going to be a dad coming up soon one of the main things in your back of your mind was, man, do I get to get back in that ring? But coming out of that, you're like, man, yeah, I'll get back in that ring. But my number one priorities now is is my own family as well as my immediate family. And then, yeah, wrestling is probably about a third now. As comparatively at that time, it was probably sitting around the first first place position before you went in. So it really does make you just restructure your life um, and little things that, may or may not have affected you before heading in you come out there and going man i really am lucky to be here i have a re reshifted focus in my life there are things here now that man these things do not matter why was i so caught up in all this nonsense beforehand 
you come out of that and you go, that doesn't matter anymore. I've, and it really just gives you a new perspective on life. So props to you, man, because yeah, I, uh, I wouldn't wish what we had upon anyone, but you went through it. You came out with a better aspect and your, an attitude and approach to your life than you had arguably going into it. So, uh, I really do commend you for going through it, man. And, and welcome to the beat in the sea club. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few of us now. Hey, um, yeah, it's growing. Mason it's growing and all day. that, like it, it's pretty crazy. I think, um, the, one of the most confronting things I learned through the experience is just how many people are affected by it, not just themselves with cancer, but you know, with loved ones going through it and how close people are to it. It's a very common thing like cancer in whatever form. And, um, I think if we can all maintain a positive outlook and take that approach to it, whether we're supporting someone or going through it ourselves, yeah, um, we can learn and grow from it. You know, um, obviously there's a lot of people that don't make it through the other side, which is sad. Um, but for those of us who do, we can either try and raise awareness or we can promote like a positive, healthy mental attitude in life because, um, you know, life is just how you take things and and how you package it and then put it back out into the world, you know. Like it's not not everything has to be doom and gloom. And even though cancer is very much a doom and gloom subject and it's confronting for a lot of people, you can if you if you look for it, you can find the positives. Um in terms of priorities and stuff, wrestling was always my number one priority. And I always said that to people. Um I'm going to miss birthdays or I'm, you know, I'm going to prioritize wrestling over a lot of things because you have to do that in this business. And, um, one of my main goals was going, I'm going to get back in the ring. Like I'm not going to let this ruin that for me. I was always going to get back to it. And I always wanted to use my story sort of not as like a storyline or anything, but as, as a, as a, how would you say it? I don't want to say inspirational because I never look at myself that way. Cause I, I don't know. I've just, if someone thinks you're inspiring, that's their perspective. I'll never look at myself as an inspiration, but you can use that experience to inspire other people to have that yeah. positive mental attitude and, and come out of whatever difficulty they're going through. It doesn't have to be cancer, whatever, whatever difficulty they're going through. If you can maintain a good mindset, you can come out in a better position. So I always wanted to get back to wrestling because I love it and also because it's a platform where I can tell my story. If if it ever comes up, if people want to ask me anything, I'm very open to it. Um, and, you know, I've had other wrestlers, more than a handful, come to me and say, hey, I've had this sort of pain, <laughs> you know, downstairs or I've had this happen and I've noticed a lump here or, you know, things like that. And they've come to me and they've, I found it very difficult to ask because it is a very personal thing. Every one of them is, oh, you know, I don't really want to say this, but I'm like, all right, what's wrong? <laughs> and they say, what, what's your advice? And straight away, without hesitation is, if you're asking me about it, go and ask a doctor. You know, if, if you have a concern, don't wait, go and deal with it now. Um, so even that, just just being able to use my experience to help other guys um, because, you know, we're all tough guys in wrestling and stuff. No one wants to bring up their personal issues and all that. But if I can get other guys to just drop the pride or, or the embarrassment or whatever is holding them back from getting things checked, then that's that's a win for me. Yeah. No, man, I, I totally agree. And 
it is one of those weird things where even if you do remember going through it, you don't remember going through it. The point is we both went through it. And you're right, a lot of people are inspired by that. A lot of people from different walks of life have some common ground where they listen to other people that have gone through an illness and said, hey, you know what? This helps me put things that are going through my life in perspective and tell. If if these two guys having a chat right now that went through that in their own respective way, came out of the other side and went with a smile on my face and a middle finger to the big C, then hell, I can do the same in my life. And speaking of your life, man, we have gone through the history of you. You have come out the other side of the big C. You now are a dad. You are back in that ring. Before we head off into the sunset, man, I'm going to do one last thing with you, and I'm going to do what's called a deep dive. And on this on this podcast, I'm going to ask you some deep questions because, hell, this, com- this podcast is Little Man Big Conversations. We have had a big conversations, but now it's time to get into the psyche of Ricky Rembrandt. What is the best advice you have ever received in your life? Uh, ooh, um, the best advice, man, like – Best advice came from life itself, and I sort of touched on it before about um, my experience through the cancer thing and how I came out with a better perspective on stuff. But it really is just appreciate the moment that you're in. Um, The power of now, and that's a book, but it's actually a thing. Like if you are in the moment and you are truly in the moment and you're taking in everything, like that, that's all that matters because you don't know what's around the corner. So just – Live the moment and appreciate every little thing in life that you can. Amen to that, man. If you weren't doing wrestling, what would you be doing? Uh, well, probably what I'm doing right now, and that's sitting around playing PlayStation. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> no, oh, look, we're all stuck inside. But um, if I wasn't a professional wrestler and I wasn't pouring all of my time and energy and love into that, I would probably do the same with one of my other talents and that's my music or my art. I'd probably be playing in a band or I'd probably be working on some, um, some pieces to throw in an art gallery or something, you know, but, um, honestly, wrestling does take up all of my, my thoughts and (laughs) my spare time. So yeah, yeah, I'd probably pursue one of my other talents. Okay. All right, this is the part of the podcast now, which I like to call the Lipton Six. This is in tribute of James Lipton, who sadly we lost earlier this year in March 2020. He was an American writer, lyricist, actor, and the dean of the Actors Studio Drama School at Pace University in New York City, where he hosted and ran his TV show Inside the Actors Studio from 1994 to 2018. So in honor and tribute of him, I'm going to ask you, his famous six questions that he would ask all his guests before wrapping up his interview. What is your favorite word? Wow. Um, delicatessen. <laughs> it's a nice. good word. It's a very I like, good honestly, word. man, I like all words. I cannot pick one word over the other. I do use one particular four-lettered F word more than any other because um, it's so versatile. But, hey, words are words and you can use them for any purpose. So they're all good. That's right. And if anyone out there, frog you. All right. So what turns <laughs> you on? Um, wow. What gets me going? Um, man, I love a good story. And I think you can relate to that. You know, whatever, mm. whatever form that takes, whether it's a movie or a book or a wrestling match or someone sitting across from you at a campfire telling you a story, I love a good story. Um mm. Yeah, you, you just 
anything that sort of gets your imagination going or makes you feel something, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. if I can play a video game and I've, I love video games, I'm a big gamer. If I can play a game and it makes me feel something to me, then that's a success for a game. If I watch a movie, um, I'll use the Marvel movies as an example. A lot of people don't think that they're theater or, or their film or whatever, but you know, in Endgame, when when all those portals open up and they all come out of that, it, that was huge, and like that makes you feel something. So I love a good story and um, a, a well told story with some real good content. Man, that gets me going. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Oh, um, a baby's laughter, Scarlet yeah. laughing. Man, that, that's yeah. the best noise in the world. Um, I love music. So talking about sound, you know, I play guitar, um, a good tune. Man, sound sound is as important as any word. You asked me about words before, same with sound. Mm. Um, a good sound is a good sound. But, yeah, honestly, my child's laughter, the best. Unique. Awesome, man. What is your favorite curse word? <laughs> Didn't I just say that? Yeah. Um, I, I use them all. I have okay. a terrible, filthy mouth. I work in a factory, so um, when I come home from that, it's hard to switch off. But I, mm -hmm. if, if the if the time is right, the right uh, curse word dropped at the right time can be so profound. So, yeah. yep, put them all down. <laughs> <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, um, wow. So, whew. That's a good question. Um, I, would, I was going to say like acting, but that's kind of a similar thing to wrestling in a way. Um, but like proper acting or, you know, stunt work and stuff like that, anything to do with the film industry mm -hmm. would be really, really interesting. And, and also that comes to the storytelling side of things. So, yeah, I, I would say um, any aspect of film and television. Okay. And the last of the James Lipton segment here, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Thank God you're here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ricky, we're about to drive off. We're about to put, put that NOS into overdrive. We're about to hit that finish line, Vin Diesel style. We're streaming on through to the final four. This is the last four questions I got for you before we wrap up today's podcast. So are you ready to hit this into overdrive? Are you ready for the final four? Yeah, man, let's take it home. <laughs> All right, man. Was there ever a point where you thought, hey, this isn't going to work? You talking wrestling? It can be anything you want, man. Oh, it could be in your life. It could be in wrestling. Is there any, was there ever yeah. a point where you went, man, I don't think this is going to work? Man, I swear I have that every day. Um, yeah, so... I've got this thing and this might be a long winded answer, but I've got this thing in my brain and I struggle with it every day where the system that we live in to me doesn't make any goddamn sense. Getting up and going to a job that you hate eight hours a day, every day of the week for the foreseeable future to me does not make sense. It's not what life's meant to be. So every day when I wake up and I have to do something like that and I think I would rather be spending time with my family or in the ring or, or following my passions um, to me that's not working so I sit there and I go this is not working how do I break the cycle you know what I mean so mm. that is that's an everyday battle that I fight um, mm. but I also understand that that's just the way life is and, and you've got to you got to 
jump through those hoops. But um, yeah, every day I have that battle. Okay. Have you ever stopped and thought, how the hell did I get here? <laughs> um, not really. I don't, yeah. I don't look back like that and, and think, um, what brought me to this point? Because, you know, every decision you make drives your life forward and it, and it brings you to where you are. So I think I understand how I got here. You know what I mean? Like, there's no no gray area. It's just my choice has got me here and and here I am. And, yeah, I don't think yeah. about it. Yeah. Okay. Currently, what is your proudest moment or achievement? Oh, that's easy. Um, my daughter's birth. When I saw Scarlet for the first time, boom. And like, if you yeah. don't have kids, people listening to this, if you don't have kids, it, it's impossible to explain. And you hear people say it all the time. You know, I'm a proud parent. It's the greatest day of my life. Right, right, right. It yeah. sounds cliche, but um. When I saw her for the first time and she's still covered in like birth goop and stuff, I was like, she's so goddamn beautiful. Like, and, and life just changes and babies are magical little creatures, man. Like they, they fill you up full of love and, and so much that it spills over and you learn to appreciate your family and, and the people close to you, you know? So like proudest moment of my life was getting through that cancer battle to be there for the birth of my daughter. Man, you heard it here first. Ladies and gentlemen, Ricky Rembrandt's proudest moment was his feud with me. And I really appreciate that, man. So, <laughs> no, of course, man, of course. Oh, I, yeah. I have a, um, um, a close close second is uh, Flashman and oh, uh, Rembrandt, no, no. ad friend, good friend feud. And <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm already playing. I'm, I knew that was going to be your answer. Of course, being a proud, being a proud parent, a dad for the first time. I, uh, I wouldn't take any other answer except that one, man. I think that's that's Super such a cliche, but so true. Like, man, oh, it's, I know it it's, sounds it's it sounds cliche a bit. All right, Ricky, <laughs> from one good friend to another, this is the final question of this podcast. Thank you for all your time that you've been able to give to us or to me today. For all the people out there that are listening, Ricky, last question. At this age, looking back on your life, take yourself back to 18 years old. Did you ever think at the age you're at now, this is where you'd be? No. Hell no. Yeah. Uh, there's there's no way like back then I didn't even know I was going to be wrestling. Uh, definitely back then I didn't think I was going to go through the trials that I have. Um, I had no desire to be a father. So no, I, I would never have guessed that this is where I would be right now. Um, but I would never, I wouldn't change anything. You know, even the cancer battle, I wouldn't change it because it's, it's one of those things that's led me to where I am. So, mm. yeah, never would have expected it, but, you know, love and life. So it's all good. Love and life. Ricky, I've loved having you here, man. I loved all the work to be able to do in the ring. You're a great guy. I've enjoyed working with you. I hope we can work together again. Still get told as well to this day about the good friend, bad friend thing, but I've always thought of you as a good guy and even a better friend, and you're going to make an even more even more wonderful dad. So, Ricky, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for allowing me to have a big conversation with you. Thank you, man. Uh, I, honestly, I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad to be able to tell my story. And when this is all over and we're allowed to go outside and play again, we'll just have to make it happen because um, Flashman Rembrandt's it's an ongoing thing, you know, it'll never end. There's the fight forever thing, whatever. Um, you and I are both performers. We both love telling a good story and we both work together very well. So it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. 
and the next chapter's going to be better than the last. So I'm looking forward to it. Amen to that, man. Never say never. Ricky, I love you, brother. Thanks for coming on the podcast, and I'll catch you real soon. Awesome. Love you too, brother. Take care, eh? See you, man. See ya. I want to thank Ricky Rembrandt again for being a guest on the podcast. Man, absolute thrill ride uh, going through his entire journey from start to finish, learning about the wrestling, learning about the cancer treatment, and hey, learning about being a dad. Can you imagine having that situation happen to you within a week? Crazy times. I'm very happy he's doing well. I'm very happy the family, his family is doing great. And I want to thank you. Thank you again. I hope you guys are doing well. Hope everything's going great for you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you follow the podcast at LMBC Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at LMBC underscore podcast on Twitter. Thanks again, guys. And I'll catch you next week.